Hi, Gala. What's up, Rose? You know, just here in the summer of our discontent. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) How discontent are you? I'm actually, I'm doing okay, you know, but it just uh, feels... Do you feel like this summer feels like full of fun and delight? Or do you feel like it's a little heavy, a little weird? Absolutely not. Um, (laughs) I have not. I have had strikes of delight. I think my delight has often come just from, you know, the people that I have surrounded myself with. Like people, you know, it's like Tennessee making a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's like my delight. It's like Memorial Day weekend. And after has just been like strike after strike of like bad news, sad news, difficult week, constant onslaught of bad feelings, actually. Yeah, it's a heavy one. I feel like this is one of the heavier summers to me since June of 2020. <laughs> I I feel like I want to be playful and excited. And I also it just is like work to have fun. <laughs> It is work. Why is that? Is this some kind of astrological thing? What's going on? Astrologer, unretired astrologer. <laughs> you know, it, it is and it isn't, right? In a way, we just cannot ever divorce what's happening in the sky from what's happening on Earth. In fact, some might say it's a projection or a reflection, right? Whoa. Whoa. But in another way, there is, if we're looking for tones or themes, there is... A striking tone slash theme for this entire summer, something that uh, hasn't happened in a while. Mm. And that is that Venus, the planet of love, values, pleasure, relationships, aesthetic, mirroring, uh, self-worth, self-esteem, is in the sign of Leo for four months instead of its normal 40 days, right? And that's something, huh? (laughs) It sure is something. (laughs) (laughs) And that something is happening because of the phenomena of retrograde motion, right? So Venus is going retrograde in Leo. And so it's going, it's gone almost all the way through the sign of Leo. And then it's going to appear from Earth as though it then tracks backwards and then Mm. forwards again. So instead of just having it go through once, it kind of goes through three times from about the early middle to the end of the sign of Leo, it just keeps grinding over that. So it feels like this sense of things being protracted and also that maybe what you're going to do is going to be undone and redone. Hmm. And also if we think about forward motion as like an outward expression of something or as like a more direct expression of something then in some ways retrograde motion is maybe more introverted taking things inside but it also sometimes you know like a reverse tarot card it can feel like the opposite right so venus's pleasure then venus retrograde might be displeasure if it's affection or a desire to be close, retrograde, it might become more of an aversion, right? So there is this sense of this tension and wanting to feel that joy and kind of childlike enthusiasm of Venus and Leo, and then for some reason, having to go back and re-examine and review, you know? I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's interesting, you know, this 
word that one of the words you've used in talking about retrograde aversion mm. kind of piqued my interest because it's a word that came up between me and some loved ones um, recently, just we were talking about aversion, you know, meeting someone and kind of like being averse to them, right? Just having an instant sort of like, "Mm, it's not not my deal, it's not my type, whatever it is, you know, not for me. And um, something that I found interesting over the course of last spring was I did the silent retreat and, you know, it's, ultimately pretty Buddhist, although they act like it's not religious, I'm like it is. And one thing that comes up was aversion. And a lot of, you know, and I'm going to fuck it up, so I'm going to be really succinct with it instead. Like a lot of these concepts that the teacher was bringing in or was this idea that that if you are averse to something, it's a you problem. Like oftentimes it's a matter of projection, right? In a silent retreat, it dials down how many people you interact with, right? Like what you can become averse to. And sometimes you still find yourself being averse. Like I was averse to like plenty of bitches up in there. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, you're you're at this like mindfulness retreat, but, and you've been asked to wear a mask for the first five days and like, you can't seem to get it over your nose. <laughs> Maybe you're an asshole, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, like now we don't have to wear masks anymore because we took rapid tests, which we all know are like not necessarily accurate. And you, quote unquote, have a negative test, but you are literally like sneezing and hacking up a storm like every single five minutes. And you don't think you should just continue to mask in this closed breathing room? Cool, right? But uh, apparently... (laughs) That was a me problem. So, you know, I sat with it for a while, like this idea, right? Like the people we become averse to, like um, why we feel aversion, like is it logical? Is it like well-founded? Do we just look for reasons to convince ourselves of something while projecting, yada, yada. And I think this is like a fair kind of Venusian question to ask. It's about sort of surfaces, right? And also like, um, the value that we give to ourselves, others. But one thing to consider is that I've often found that when I'm averse to somebody, lots of people I know are averse to them too. <laughs> like, even though the teachings are like, it's a you problem, I rarely have I like encountered someone who I am like deeply averse to for quote unquote banal or like mundane reasons that I don't then find that like if I mention it that people aren't also like oh my god I'm so glad you said something because what was that person's deal what the fuck is going on over there so aversion to me is just like a really interesting concept yeah just this is you know what I want to bring to the table here especially when we talk about you know queer communities like there's some people who are going to like literally bump into you for the next like life (laughs) (laughs) like as long as you exist you are gonna like (laughs) fucking see this person and and you're gonna like date someone who dated them and they're gonna date someone who dated you and like when you have a version you just have to deal with it Mm, right yeah but it's interesting 
the you problem, right? The like, if you have an inversion at something in yourself, to me feels particularly relevant with this Venus retrograde in Leo, right? Because Leo is a sign that celebrates self and authenticity and creative expression, but that it's also like, this is about me, I'm the center, right? And so Mm -hmm. if Venus is moving retrograde in Leo, it does beg the question, do some of the things that we find distasteful or unpleasant or some of the people or ways of relating to those people or to the world do we need to spend some time with them and reflect and like if we are finding ourselves dissatisfied what portion of that is on us <laughs> and what portion yeah like is not? if you have a version like how can your version be your teacher right so mm. it's like maybe maybe your version is justified maybe you can justify it by like sharing it with your loved ones and then like you know No greater company than hating somebody together, (laughs) says the Taurus moon. But um, maybe there's something about, like, once you get past the the camaraderie of it, (laughs) like, what can your aversion also teach you about your values? Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, okay, you're averse to someone. Maybe what's coming through to you is that that person's values don't align with your own. So that person's actually clarifying your values for you, even though they're doing it in a really difficult way (laughs) for you. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think there's something to be learned. And I think there's also something here because I'm just going to real quick give the timeline of the retrograde for folks so they can pay attention to start to track patterns. So Venus entered Leo on June 5th. Venus moved forward casually until it hit 12 degrees, which was around June 19th. So now it's entering into the retrograde shadow period, which is the part of a sign that it'll look like the planet is going back over, right? And so 12 degrees is a station point, which is where it looks like the planet stops in the sky, holds still for a second, and then changes direction, right? Mm -hmm. So June 19th, until July 22nd is the shadow period where Venus goes from 12 degrees to 28 degrees of Leo. And then on July 22nd, it stops its stations retrograde and it goes backwards until September 3rd. And then on September 3rd, it stations again. <laughs> That's at that 12 degree <laughs> point. And then it goes forward until October 7th, right? And then couple days later it enters Virgo so there's a long time with this energy but the major aspects are to Jupiter and to Uranus which are both in Taurus so there's going to be these Mm. squares these tense aspects and the reason I bring those up is because Jupiter teaches Jupiter grows Jupiter exaggerates right and so you may find that things get exaggerated or blow up you may find that like people's egos are getting a little wild and with mm-hmm. Uranus, there also may be kind of sudden upsets that mean that like people suddenly have some kind of um, impediment to getting that thing that they think will make them happy or that they want or that they're trying to draw to them. Or something will happen that totally shifts their value system or the way that they relate to people. But I'm just thinking about like when we're going through this long extended journey with Venus and Leo where people are apt to maybe take things more personally than they may otherwise also (laughs) that (laughs) that you may find that yeah things that normally would cause just a little bit of icky feeling feel much bigger feel much more dramatic feel much more unpleasant and maybe make you feel like okay I've had enough that's it when 
in months past, years past, in these relationships, in these places where you find yourself coming up against your sense of self-worth or value in the world that you're like, oh, this won't stand anymore, even though it did forever before. All right. And I mean, Jupiter's position in Taurus doesn't really help matters because Taurus is a deeply personal sign. Like, I think like a Taurus will take like a blanket's texture personally. Like, why would... (laughs) Like, why would someone give me something so rough, you know? <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> well, Did like... you touch this? <laughs> well, and it's the sign of the toddler, right? It's like, it's mine. Figuring out mm-hmm. what's yours and what belongs to you, which is deeply personal. Your personal effects. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's also like, I think about, you know, maybe this is where we start to, you know, get into our lesbianic media journey, mm. but... I really think about Lexi on Queer Ultimatum. I think about, I know that she's a Capricorn. I know. I'm just going to say I know to listeners. So that's just already there. <laughs> but the way that she could not stop harping on like what she was owed, you know, like the way that she decided that like she quote unquote saw something in Vanessa. And now she knew the truth, forget all other truths. And she was going to let everybody else know about it because Vanessa was there for the wrong reasons. And Lexi's there for the quote unquote right reasons. And like, it was just like the most Torian thing I'd ever seen on TV. (laughs) Like that, like constant, like, you know, just like mountainous energy where she was just like, let me tell you what I know about this bitch. There is no other version of this story, you know? <laughs> and even when facts came out where they were like, oh, you you and Ray agreed, you agreed to like be open during the course of this experimental partnership switch. Like you told Ray she could do what she wanted. Like she was totally allowed to have sex. That, that did not factor in to, to like Lexi's ultimate emotional betrayal that she kept weeping about on the beach you know i you know there that to me was like a deep sort of like taurian like a jupiter taurian like it's all about me and i'm gonna make it real big kind of energy well yeah well and i also think that there's something about venus and leo squaring jupiter and taurus that feels like an ultimatum and so it feels appropriate for us to reflect on our representation our mirroring and talk about what we have (laughs) aversion to and what we felt represented by right but if you think about it yeah it's like is this relationship gonna grow are we growing (laughs) in the same direction do we have the same values or are Mm -hmm. we reaching an impasse are we realizing that in fact we would like to move backwards and retreat away from each other (laughs) And also, you know, I guess like Venus being this, you know, the planet that rules the sign of Libra, like we are talking about marriage, like mm. literally we're talking about marriage mm-hmm. and marriage as, as a form exchange of resources, value, yep. money, right. Yep. For a kind of commitment. And I think that like contract, mm. so there is something about ultimatum, right? There's lots of contracts that yep. keep sort of um being being negotiated (laughs) and broken and renegotiated just like emotional contracts yeah 
Mm-hmm. I mean, even even the way that the show is set up feels like a Venus retrograde, right? You like mm-hmm. you're in this relationship, then you break up, then you go do this other relationship, then that breaks up, and you go back to the first relationship, and then spend the same period of time. Which, by the way, <laughs> um, six weeks is about forty days. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Holy shit! So, oh so, my god! You know they should have they should have had an astrologer be the host. That would have been it. Anybody gay? No, but like, can you imagine yeah. if somebody was just like, <laughs> "Shut it, Capricorn." <laughs> Which would be interesting to see if they actually filmed the show during a Venus retrograde. If it was nineteen months ago, it might might have been. <laughs> Ooh, we'll do that research. I'll put that in the notes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so though it may seem that we're late to the discourse, fellow queers, I just want to say that astrologically speaking, we're right on time to be talking through this shit show on our Venus retrograde episode. <laughs> but also we've given a lot of people time to watch and form their opinions, their own aversions and attractions, it's you true. know? Was there somebody who you were, like, averse to right away? Like, the moment you saw them, you were, like, aversion. Lexi, actually. (laughs) I have a hard time with young Capricorn sons. I just do. And that's probably something about me, right? I have Venus and Capricorn, Mm. so (laughs) go figure. (laughs) Right, 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 right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But so there's something about, um, and so, yeah, I want to see myself reflected positively in Capricorn archetypes. And the thing about Capricorns is they're born to be old. And so it's really hard for many, many folks with strong Capricorn signatures to, to be young, to admit that they're just in a messy phase where they're making mistakes and trying to figure it out and to like embrace that or feel uh, some kind of sense of um, that the path hasn't been written yet, and that's a wonderful thing, right? This idea that, like, at 23 years old, you know exactly what's what, who's who, what you're doing, where you're going, and anybody who interferes with that it is somehow some agent saboteur, right? Like, <laughs> I just could not. I had a really hard time with Lexi, I will say. How about you? I mean, yeah, it's like what you're describing is like somebody who believes that like winning is a series of steps, mm. right? That like you, that life is about winning and to win, you just have to like follow <laughs> the like check mark boxes one after the other, like level up, level up, level up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but have you noticed that the person you're trying to force to marry you doesn't like you? Because <laughs> that is not on my level up list you know it might not be on yours either if you wanted to notice it um yeah I don't know I mean I think Vanessa was like my Mm. clear aversion right away um just sort of like off the bat like the eyes were the eyes were doing too much you know like they were just like like she kind of looked like a like a fox in the hen house, you know, like right away. <laughs> and I was just, I'm very averse to that kind of like hungry um, sex pest, as Maddie would say, energy. <laughs> you know what's funny about that and this episode? Do you know what Vanessa's Venus is in? 
Is it Sagittarius? No, it's in Leo, my friend. Vanessa's a Virgo. <laughs> oh, because I was like, am I versed because she's me? <laughs> oh, fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's a fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a fair connection. I'm not point. a sex pest, but I can understand. I can understand somehow coming off that way. And can I ask you a question? Did your aversion stay consistent or did you find that your feelings shifted by the end of the show? I would say that my feelings shifted at the very, 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 very end. Yeah. Like they stayed consistent almost throughout because I felt like the way that she was with, with Xander, who is like the person, you know, for instance, she didn't watch the person who she came in with and like who gave her the ultimatum where she was like, oh, I don't want to be married or whatever. And then you're like, well, what are you even here for? Like, what's going to happen? And then like later when she could tell that Xander was interested in one of the other people that they were paired with, like then all of a sudden her energy became really like intense again and sort of obsessed with them. And of course I, you know, that I have a version to like liars. <laughs> I have an aversion to liars, but I feel like towards the end, I just forgave her for all of her follies because I think that at the end of the day, she really just came across as someone who was here for a good time, not a long time, you know, mm -hmm. and was just kind of like, very forthright about even like lying do you know yeah. what i mean like just being forthright about being like a chaos demon yeah and like the odds were stacked against vanessa and by odds i mean like everybody else participating in the episodes and she really took it on the chin and she yeah. was just sort of like oh my god you hate me <laughs> that's fine that's fine because i like i don't care <laughs> about any of you and that that became endearing to me toward the end, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know what's striking me in this conversation is tying it back to when we were first talking about aversion and the way that um, it can kind of foster unity in a way that it can be pretty disturbing. And I'm thinking about Lexi's intense aversion to Vanessa that mm -hmm. she then kind of curried um, support around amongst the other contestants, you know, mm -hmm. and the ways that like we can be relational in in really supportive, constructive ways and the ways that we can also develop relationships that are only based upon kind of this bullying or ostracizing or othering or like it's like almost this negative or inverse way of relating where it's actually just about keeping somebody else separate or a whole nother group of people separate. You're so right. And I think I want to add to that, that there's this, I think sometimes we mistake shared aversion for shared values, Ooh. right? So I think that that's part of the camaraderie, right? That it's like, oh, uh, Lexi's averse to Vanessa and Yoli's averse to Vanessa. That means they have shared values. They're both femmes who are here for the quote unquote right <laughs> reasons, except like one of them will never need money in her life and one of them is trying to bag someone to steal all their IVF money. <laughs> so like, you know, what what are their shared values? <laughs> mm -hmm. And and then on the other side of things, you might come to find that what you thought bound you to somebody was just somebody's excuse. Mm -hmm. Right? Like because if Yoli was really intent on getting Xander to leave with her or even want her or choose her then why wouldn't she why wouldn't she get on the hate vanessa train which you know brings me to a larger more meta question gala 
though we mm-hmm. can definitely get back mm-hmm. into zooming in. Are we as sapphics and queers actually unifying in our version to many of the characters on this show? There hasn't been a lot of positive response in the community. Like we get together to love, to hate it, and to be horrified by this kind of distorted reflection of our community, right? Like I would say that I did not see myself or the people that I know and love in kind of anyone except perhaps... There's something very teenage about Vanessa that feels relatable in like a not personal way, right? Like, mm. but I would say that Yoli and Mal are the only people who like I have seen at parties or dated people like or like been like been in community with like they them I recognize just not just aesthetically, but even like their way of relating and their conflict like it wasn't particularly novel wasn't necessarily even that interesting but it felt recognizable it felt true they felt like real people in a way that I can't say I felt about anybody else on that show I think I can go two ways and let me just affirm those two ways before I continue toward your particular inquiry (laughs) I would say that Yoli and Mao are like of our milieu like Mm. they are a particular medium age kind of like sapphic slash non-binary slash kind of like you know probably know a lot of like artists like musicians it's just a little bit dare I say hipper Mm. you know Um, I don't know what the young people say now instead of hip I think hip is an old word about whatever it's it's (laughs) twice dated a medium age word Right. It's like people used it in the sixties and then <laughs> again in the Yeah, early like 2000s. whatever it is now, that's what they are, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I do recognize those people. But I will say that as like a medium age lesbian who's lived in a lot of smaller towns and places that aren't as hip, I recognize Xander mm. and I have dated a version of Tiff. and I like have dated a version of Aussie too yeah you know yeah and like I feel like Sam is like first of all you know my fucking sun sign but (laughs) second of all (laughs) definitely someone who I would have like maybe even grown up around like Sam reminds me just like regular like not not trying to be hip LGBTQs you know from like just regular regular life like the kind of person you work in an office with and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a lesbian. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Yeah, so I, there's a mixture. There's a mixture there. I do recognize them. I think some of my version to some of them came from having dated them or mm. a version of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hear a lot of positive things about Sam. People like see Sam as like the hero of this show, right? You know, she like um, became somebody who was a support for Tiff. I actually think that Sam maybe has more maturity than most of the other folks on this show. I guess it doesn't have to be about comparing, right, when we're talking about Venus. I would say that um, there's a lot of emotional maturity and strength. That could be. I related to Mal really hard on this show. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Mal is very hot, so it might seem biased for me to just be like, (laughs) I relate to Mal. (laughs) The as the as the hottest person on yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm not saying that like Yoli could have been hot if she wasn't like a lying, treacherous demon. Um, but like Mal's way of dealing with Yoli 
that's where I felt attraction or like, or maybe the opposite of vision also kind of mirroring. Like I saw mm. mirroring mm-hmm. whenever Mal was just like, you're in love and that's okay. And I yeah. see you. And like, I recognize that you're having these big feelings and I still choose you because that's my truth, whether or yeah. not that's yours. Like that for me was deep queer, like poly mirroring. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying, but then there was the whiplash and they're also like, yeah, Yoli, Yoli lied a bit more, but Mal sat across from a table with Lexi and then Lexi's parents and told them that there's no reason she couldn't see marrying Lexi in six months. I I feel like that was some good editing. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I do know what you're saying. Um, And I would say like, I, I also had a lot of affection and respect for Mal and the way that she conducted herself. But I would say where I felt the most connected to Mal was when we got to see the other side at the end at the reunion. Like I actually really appreciated seeing Mal reach a point where enough was enough, know enough and just like firmly be like, fuck this like that. Oh yeah. Good. That's also queer representation. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yeah because otherwise then it just becomes a like okay what are you hiding what anger are you swallowing you know what I mean like there's a point where like it's important for you to lose your cool for your dignity you know yeah for sure it's it's almost like what you see Mal doing is like kind of edge edging along spiritual bypassing mm-hmm. you know what I mean just kind of being like I'm above this I I have my cool I have my meditative tools like yeah. and then finally that person is just like you know what, what I'm not going to do is actually like agree to be disrespected. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I love that, you know? Yeah. And I do think that it's like, you know, there's something about the finale of the show, the kind of uncovering there. That's also very Venus and Leo texture. It's like the, the drama of it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the showmanship of it all like oh and did you know about Coachella (laughs) (laughs) and there's something about like the parallel arcs there's like um there's a redemption arc or at least the we slowly move towards a place I think collectively of having a little more compassion for Vanessa after our collective aversion that was also Mm. mirrored by Lexi and the slow realization that like Yoli's actually the villain of the show. I mean, I think some people did not perceive that. And that's, again, where we have to talk about values, right? True. There are people amongst me who, when (laughs) in that moment of, like, Yoli talking about Xander, Mm. she was like, I'm considering them they have money and you don't, Tamal. Like, you know, do you remember that moment? When, like, when, like, basically, like, Mal brought... Um, their best friend or whatever and then they're talking and the best friend is like well what's up with you and this other person and Yoli was just like they provide things that Mal can't like they save this money and Mm -hmm. I was like oh Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like and it's like it's not even about like this is the person I want to have a relationship with blah 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 it's like even in national television you want to like reiterate this idea that like a person's like financial assets make them more valuable to you Mm. as a partner Mm -hmm. than like somebody who literally has told you they're like willing to work very hard in order like to promise you the best that they can't promise you 
which, you know, a lot of this show was about financial planning, security, children for a lot of people too, right? Which Venus and Leo, like, that's, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm, one of those mm -hmm. things on the table. But, you know, I think there was also something in that conversation that was about, you say that you're going to do this. You say this is why you aren't ready yet for kids. Meanwhile, this person has already done it and is ready, mm -hmm. you know. But you can't look at that without a class analysis, or you shouldn't, right? You obviously can, but it does, yeah, it does feel a little warped to many of us who have different relationships to money and value and assets and employability based upon whatever kind of otherness we carry in the world, you know? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, now that you bring that up, you know, for our listeners, Venus is very much tied to the concept of children, however you want to talk mm -hmm. about it. You know, like if you imagine the sun car, the baby riding in on the horse, and there is something to be said for the way that childhood and children play play a role in each of these relationships to some extent. Yes. Um, you know, we have Yoli's desire for children. Yes. We have Aussie's childhood trauma, yep. which is at the very center of each of their interactions. Mm -hmm. We have like Tiff's relationship to Mildred and their negotiation of Mildred's, you know, motherhood. Mm -hmm. And we also have the fact that Xander is like, you know, obviously once children has been saving for IVF, but we also have Lexi who can't keep her parents out of the <laughs> Well, yes, and also Ray's whole thing was that she wanted each of them to carry the other person's child in their uterus, and Vanessa's mm. whole thing was that she thought that they should each have a child of their own that belonged to them singularly that they were responsible for raising. <laughs> so literally wow. every single relationship. Wow. Which disgusting, very <laughs> hetero. And maybe that's where I feel not, I'm not saying like queers have kids. Queers have been having kids forever. Queers have been raising kids forever. But the idea of queerness as an identity for me was always about like, no, we make our own rules. You lose all of these protections and all of these privileges. But what you gain is the freedom to mm -hmm. fucking decide yourself. 100%. And maybe that's what's inherently unqueer about this show. And the fact that <laughs> none of them have heard of being of ethical non-monogamy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm sure I'm sure I'm gonna get some feedback that is otherwise, but I just don't think that a lot of Leo's are really made for that that's a good point that's a good point a lot of strong leo placements yeah i want to have it and i want it to be mine and i want to be think, special i think that i think that strong leo placements can negotiate it depending on what else is happening totally like what else in the chart is set up to handle literal negotiations, right? Like time negotiations, energy negotiations, direct communication, all of that stuff. But the ethical part for people who don't have like a lot of Capricorn placements that are like supporting <laughs> them in the back, you know, uh -huh. um, that stuff was going to be a slip slide into like face paint town. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, plowing around. Oh, yeah. 
Yep, yep. Bust out the big shoes and the rubber noses. Huh? <laughs> There's a lot. There sure are a lot of clowns in my car. <laughs> Who are these clowns, and how did they get into my Subaru Baja? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. They're all driving Chevy Bolts, probably. So ugly and sensible. <laughs> so, what do you think as a whole? Are we glad that we got it? we got this gift of something we love to hate collectively. And what does that say about us? Is this a representation we're asking for? I mean, personally, I love it and I want more, right? Yeah. Like gay people deserve trash, just like straight people have trash. Like that's fine. We can get rid of trash TV totally and mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. But it's not like reality TV shows you the best of straights. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's just not, that's not the formula. <laughs> Well, so. and, and it's not about recognizing yourself necessarily, right? It's about f feeling better in comparison, which is another Venusian quality, right? <laughs> but I think even so, like I'm speaking of Venusian, and I want to reiterate what I said earlier, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you see what you want to see. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that I saw a lot of myself in the way Mal responded to Yoli, mm -hmm. you know? I saw a lot of myself in the way that Sam responded to Aussie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think that there's like, you can, even though they might, like a person might not literally look like you yeah, and yeah. they might not even be from your class bracket, but you can still see like the, because you know, when it comes to relationships too, it's like a lot of us emulate what's around us, you know? Mm. And Sometimes people emulate the stereotypical rom-com ideas, the obsessive, possessive, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And some people have like spent a lot of time with Brene Brown. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do know. And they're just like, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be honest and I'm standing here and speak my truth and witness you and yours. And I'm like, yeah, that's also some gay fucking representation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think there was also something that you mentioned briefly that I kind of want to touch on and expand a little was in these relationships. And I think this, again, ties back to Venus and Leo. You know, Venus and Leo, knowing your values in part means like really knowing who you are and being able to move from that place instead of just kind of reacting and responding to whatever is happening in your environment. And I felt like in these relationships, there was often a party, though not necessarily the one who gave the or who received the ultimatum, but there was often a party who was just kind of going along with or wasn't fully like just didn't feel like they fully knew who they were, or what they wanted, but they were responding to the demands of like what was around them and mm, like classic. Right? Classic Venusian stuff. Yeah. And just thinking about that and the way that like these people and many of us need these moments of crisis or growth where we are, um, whether by our own choosing or not, kind of severed or pulled out of that context to see mm -hmm. like, oh, are you just going to fit the shape of whatever you're poured into? Or like, do you have one of your own? <laughs> But how does that, like, do you think that that's how Venus and Leo is? You no, know what I mean? no, no, no. I think it's more just Venus and Leo as far as when we're thinking about those values. It's about having that authenticity, but also having that self-knowledge. Whether or not you have self-reflection, that's another story. But like, mm -hmm. 
it, it gets real messy with what you're drawing in when you don't even know what's important to you because you're just looking to whatever. And I do not think that Venus and Leo is typically a placement that doesn't know what's important to it if, if its heart is in it, right? No, I think actually Venus and Leo can often know what's important to them to a detriment. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, so it's like that what's important to them becomes this like North Star. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Leo's still a fixed sign. People yeah. really like, you know, can forget about that because of the, the glare. Yeah. Um, it's like you can't really see the shape when there's so much sun in your eyes. But, yeah. you know, try and change Leo's mind. Go ahead. I dare yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that there's this element too when it comes to like, you know, those lay nine fixed qualities with Venus is like Venus is, it's a soft force. Yeah. It's a strong force, but mm-hmm. it's a soft one. Yeah. And yeah. I think that sometimes when you are so entrenched in a, in a concept about what you want from others, what you're averse to, what your values are, the narrative of like all the things that amalgamate to create your vision of yourself in the world and what others perceive of you, it can be really hard to accommodate circumstance. Mm. And it can be really hard to bend with the wind. Yeah. So that that's definitely what I could perceive as just a theme in the months ahead. The things that come up in our relationships, whether they're sexual or friendship based or even like familial based, especially when it comes to people who depend on us, mm-hmm. having those moments where you have to maybe check your ego mm-hmm. a good deal, even if that means failure at something that you you thought would be like the one thing you could provide yeah yeah that feels true i it also feels like that's the stuff that ultimatums are made of right and everybody kind of loses (laughs) (laughs) both in the show and often in life right it's very rare that an ultimatum is issued and that uh, either or both parties end up happy after that 100%. And of course, the truth of the matter is, you will actually rarely find a Leo that will speak an ultimatum out loud, although they live inside of ultimatums, like most fixed signs, like most fixed signs live inside of internal ultimatums. All or nothing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, let's see, let's see if you do this for me. If not, I'll know the truth about you, Mm. you know? (laughs) Yes, yes. But, but a Leo, a Leo would not deign to speak that ultimatum out loud. Mm-hmm. So there's a failure. There's a way that the show is doomed already before it begins. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, I do know what you're saying. <sighs> because in like creating a scenario where there's like my way or the highway, you're already saying that there's no quality in your partnership. Or like, I, I don't care what you want. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. <laughs> I see, I see, I see. I feel like, do you have any parting thoughts? I feel like we should have some fun with them. I think that we can play a little game, a classic game we love to play here on Big Dyke Energy Podcast. And that is a round of Would You Rather. 
I'm very excited for this gala. Okay, Rose. Yes. Are you ready to play Would You Rather? Yes, I am. Okay. Would you rather explain ethical non-monogamy to Vanessa or have Lexi explain penetration and queer sex to you? Oh, my God. Okay, this is difficult. However... I think that it would be a more satisfying experience to explain ethical non-monogamy to Vanessa than to have Lexi explain penetration and queer sex to me. And that's because (laughs) I feel like explaining ethical non-monogamy to Vanessa would be like explaining ice cream to a five-year-old who's never had it before. Like, (laughs) like it actually, or like taking a dog to the beach for the first time. Like (laughs) Totally. Like, you just get to see, like, the joy and the wonder. And then, like, a little bit of sadness about, like, this has been here the whole time and I didn't know. <laughs> but, but like, I think that Vanessa, it, we talked about this before. Like, Vanessa's crime is more that she's, like, too earnest and honest and just a little chaotic and messy. Like, her eyes are bigger than her plate. Like, she's, she's like, straight out of Willy Wonka or something, right? Where it's kind <laughs> of like her... <laughs> Her desire for pleasure is her downfall, but it's like, (laughs) she's not a bad person, I don't think. I think that she's tacky and excitable, Mm -hmm. but she's really just like a puppy that needed like a good, some training, like a nice like five class package, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a moment where she said something about Xander or like asexuality Mm. that was like really fucked up. Yes, very fucked there, which I can't quite remember, except it's just like, I think that there are places where Vanessa needs to grow, but she's not like, I think that Vanessa likes, likes to learn. I think that's her, that's her um, good quality that we can, we can, we can stay inside of instead of all the ways that we might be averse to her, which are quite plentiful as, as we know. Okay. I, I, I think that you're right. I think that's, that's, the, the best choice that one can make in this scenario. Well, because it's also ultimately that question is, would you like to hear somebody who thinks they know everything tell you something that you know at least as much or more about? Or would you like to like hang out with somebody who's thirsty for information, though a little clumsy <laughs> and like inappropriate and like actually <laughs> maybe like expand her horizons a little bit? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> All right, Gala. Would you rather cry in the parking lot with Sam or cry in the hotel lobby with Mal? There's an alternate third, which is like you could cry outside of um, whatever that Hamburger Mary-esque gay martini margarita place is with Aussie. You could actually do any of those three. I I know. That's a, wow, you really sprung a third one I in. Know. I know. Um, I would say that despite your springing, obviously <laughs> I have no desire to cry with Aussie. Yes. Um, because that is a private thing for Aussie. I feel Aussie does not really need crying company. Um, <laughs> I, it's a tough choice for me between the two because I feel such affinity for Sam, mm. and I think that I would be very good at meeting sam where she's at like i would be very good at being like 
you're crying because you reached the end of your rope and you really fucking love somebody, but you kind of have to love yourself more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I see what she's doing and I see what it's doing to her. Mm-hmm. But Mal is, um, Mal is my husband. So, <laughs> wait, what did you just call Mal? My husband. <laughs> cool i put a th on front nobody's used it before but everyone's welcome to now all right all right all right (laughs) i just i love mal and i think mal is so cute and i really i really like love mal's vibe throughout the whole show every part of it the the like (laughs) we'll figure out who tops and bottoms later maybe we could all just have a threesome like the playful virgo energy I'm here for it. And, um, and so I would also like to be the, there for them when they're in, in the dumps, you know, when they're sad and when they feel kind of betrayed by their own optimism, I yeah. think, which is what, what it seemed like to me was happening. Like a part of it is crying because Yoli is a jerk and manipulative, but a part of it is crying because they really put all their eggs in the basket anyway because they just have such strong faith and it's hard when you have to kind of admit that faith can only take you so far well and you know what's interesting about that is that actually it would seem though you know everybody came back to the table and proposed but it would seem that like mal and vanessa they both had a journey where they came into it thinking one thing feeling one way and then by the end now of course part of it was because both their partners uh, had fallen in love with each other and their positions were <laughs> threatened but there was this interesting inversion where it's kind of like they started out being the ones who the ultimatum was issued to not sure if they believe in marriage and then by the end we're like really really trying to make it work you know Mm-hmm. which like yeah i mean there's a little bit of scrambling there we gotta say yeah, you know there's 100%. like a loss because the thing that what i what i perceived happening right is that in some way like mal lost their optimism mm-hmm. and their faith and then in that moment stop trusting their intuition yeah right and because their intuition was right all along like they literally came onto that show being like yoli falls in love with everybody yeah like how like why would i say like why would i like make such a powerful finite choice with someone who might not differentiate me from the next girl or person you know yeah and that's literally what happened so i think that in some ways you know mal was came in knowing what they knew and left with that knowledge being like front and center but they just weren't trusting their their gut anymore yeah loss can really fear of loss can really cloud us huh it's really true. Yeah. It's really true. You know, there's a the Venusian themes include that mm. that possessiveness, that feeling of what's yours, right? Yeah. And trying to figure that out, parse it, mm-hmm. parse it out. Mm-hmm. And jealousy too. It's like big <laughs> Venus vibes. <laughs> we don't talk about it a lot, but like certainly mm-hmm. mythologically, archetypally, like there's very much this comparison and and this covetry, and you know literally wars are started because of it 
all of a sudden we're dying over golden apples we can't even eat you know? i get it <laughs> exactly you know what i'm saying <laughs> i do okay i have one for you okay give it to would me. you rather do a never nude sex scene with tiff and mildred um but you know yeah be a third there <laughs> or have xander make you a tie-dye shirt okay um i really i think probably the best possible iteration of tiff and mildred's relationship would have been if they just filmed a few crash pad series episodes um (laughs) oh no oh no that's such a good answer (laughs) like it's so clear like i get it that's what works for you two and you have this exhibitionist streak whether the dog's in the bed or the cameraman (laughs) is in the bedroom whatever it is you're you're ready to go and so like i want to salute them for their um undying horniness for each other that's the most redeeming quality of their otherwise fucked up relationship (laughs) um but being a pisces rising i'm gonna take that tie-dye shirt it's lower investment and it doesn't have um as many i'm sure there's a simmering rage within xander i can feel that 100 percent, which is also a little scary you know (laughs) it is scary that's what i was thinking i was thinking that like honestly it would be hard for me to be around that person like they make me nervous on tv yes Yes. same and like the way they're (laughs) i know that they're gemini and they can't help it but it was like they kind of felt like a different person in every scene and certainly in those two relationships and i understand that Mm -hmm. relationships change us but like their whole demeanor, their whole face, their eyes changed. Like there's a spooky, ooky, spooky, mm-hmm. ooky. Um, so I feel like that's a level of investment that I'm ready for with any of these people besides Mal. I would definitely hang out with Mal. So I think that Xander making me a tie dye shirt feels as close as I could get to any of these people, and I would rather just have Tiff and Mildred make a couple videos and and part ways. <laughs> make a couple of videos you know what I mean Put it on, you know uh, you know what I mean oh Gala yes would you rather cook Mildred a meal after she yelled at you <laughs> or sleep with Tiff's dog after they issued their own bed related ultimatum yeah, this is a tough one, right? Because in each scenario, this these people are like trying to make me feel bad so that I do what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's like a surefire way to get me to not do anything. Totally. Whew. I mean, I think that I, I feel for Mildred, like I've dated versions of Mildred. Mm. Um, I feel for her, but that person is intolerable to me i can i think that like you know that those the two of them are like sides of of a, of a different coin yeah. and i get that but i think i could handle tip better like i think mm. i could figure out a way to be like i love dogs yeah your dog is too big <laughs> you know like if your dog was small it would be chill and like yeah maybe i'd be like how about I sleep in the bed with your dog and you sleep on the couch? Oh, that's <laughs> How a good about one. you go? You know, because I'd be like, you know what? I love dogs. So like, what? what's the problem here is that this 
show is low budget and they gave us tiny beds. And that's the real issue is that we're trying to fit like two, like, you know, medium sized people and a husky on a full. And, yeah. And that's, that's cram. So why don't you go sleep on the couch and me and your husky can have some bonding time. That's what I would say. And I think that would work out because I would still figure out a way to top the situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I have to say, I think you made the correct choice and I can 100% vouch last night, Jenny and I tried to sleep in the full size bed with our dog that is the size of like a smaller pit bull, but she's 50 pounds and it was too much. I got up after two, cause as soon as I would fall asleep, one of them would wake me up. Mm-hmm. It's too much. It's too much. You, you, we barely, the three of us barely fit in a king size bed. And that's the truth. I mean, that's, you know, Sam knows what she knows. Sam does know what she knows. Does she want to be crowded? Okay. Yes. Would you rather have Aussie call you mate <laughs> during sex over and over or have Mildred's hair stylist do your hair for a year? Oh, my God. How many times do I have to have sex with Aussie and have them call me, have Aussie call me mate? Just once? <laughs> it or- just... Once, but for a prolonged period of time. Like the the mate is over and over. The sex is once. I got you. Okay. Okay. So it's like, it's like for six months of dating sapphic sex or whatever, where it's like a long time. <laughs> um, fuck. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Do you want a little ponytail on the top? <laughs> Given that Venus is in Leo, I can't let anybody do that to my hair, especially as an LHB. It's true. So I'm going to regrettably have to have sex with Aussie and be called mate. You know what, though? We could find a way to make it some kind of like sports mate team metaphor play. Like, <laughs> I I think I think the only way it would work would be to like have it be a role play where we're like unrival <laughs> rugby teams. And then we have... You're changing the rules. You're like, no, in this... <laughs> You're like, in this scenario, Aussie's pretending to be mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would have to have sex with Aussie and have Aussie call me mate the whole time simply because, I don't know, first episode, fine. And then things just got weirder and weirder and weirder. And I understand that sometimes, very often, especially for queers, that like our declining mental health is most easily perceived through our, the state of our hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I understand that there was a gradual unraveling occurring and so I can have compassion yet I will n- not submit to whatever was happening there on top of my head for a year and that's true just one little half C half up half down fuck god that's hard okay you did you made the right choice I think okay so what do you have for me Gala would you rather let Xander wax your eyebrows for a year or buy a ring from Lexi's dad and marry Yoli. I mean, this is tough because I hate Yoli. I do. I know that she is visually hot, etc. But like, just, I just really don't like the way she treated Mal. And because I'm married to Mal, um, I feel defensive of them for the rest of my life. So, uh, it, and also I don't want to like patronize Alexi's dad, which has major creep factor. And yet I know 
that what someone does to your eyebrows for even a couple of weeks can be what your eyebrows do forever. Do you guys know what I mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> because you don't, you can't just like fuck around with eyebrow shapes. Mm-mm. Like eyebrows don't always return. Mm-mm. So I'm guess I'm going to have to buy a ring from Lexi's dad Damn. and marry Yoli, but I don't know. It's going to be one of those like Vegas and the <laughs> issues, you know? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Would you rather marry someone for their IVF money or marry someone because they're the big boobed boss of you? Wow. I mean, when you put it like that, the big boob boss sounds nice, actually. (laughs) Like abstractly, it sounds like pretty cool. Um, But if I marry somebody for their IVF money, do I have to use the IVF money for IVF? I mean, that's... I guess it's like the idea that you haven't married them for anything else, right? I'd rather marry... Oh, God. I'd rather marry for the IVF money. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, I could buy some things. I I just can't deal with somebody being the boss of me. And I understand, you know, boobs are cool. It's just not really... That's not my scene. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I appreciate that people love big boobs. That's so nice for them. Uh, I'm an a- I-, I like butts, you know? I'm, a bu- I'm an ass guy. I have one more for you. Do you think you're ready? Well, you do? I do. I just made it up. Okay, what is it? Would you rather live in an apartment that was decorated with sentiments from Vanessa's apology notes, live, laugh, love style, <laughs> or... In a house that was furnished entirely with that stupid metallic goblet company. All of your mm. dishes are opaque metallic. Mm, you have made a Torian would you rather. <laughs> I mean, I guess the goblets yeah. because I would figure out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just don't. I really, I have such a deep, oh, here's the key word again, aversion mm-hmm. <laughs> to saccharine sentimentality. Yes, yes. I can't, I can't imagine living with it. No, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I think you've made the right choice, but it, yeah. it was an impossible choice. Yeah, as, as ultimatums often are, Fuck. right? Which is what would you rather is. You know that's true. Look at us. No tomato game. I know, full circle. <laughs> Can you believe our just consistency? Well, Gala, I feel like we did what we came here to do. We issued some ultimatums of our own. We mused upon others. We gave listeners a kind of glimpse into the past and the future. Is there anything else you need to add or want to share? I guess, well, before we go into just our kind of closing remarks about perhaps ourselves or what we're up mm-hmm. to, I'm wondering if there's any parting astrological wisdom that we might have for our listeners about this like retrograde season ahead. I actually really want to take it back to what you were talking about in the beginning, even though we then kind of dismantled this idea, is to check yourself first, right? Yeah, if you have an aversion, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's about you. But I think that 
with Venus, we become we can become very preoccupied about what somebody else is or isn't doing, how they are mm. or aren't showing up, how they are or aren't acting in a way that aligns with our values. And, you know, this in some ways goes along with conversations we've had about Saturn, but ultimately you can't control other people and we're going to have a lot of big feelings, but everybody is in this. So everybody is taking everything personally, but also everybody may be projecting out or being very inflexible or having a lot of hubris or being a little overconfident. And so there's something about instead, it can be really easy to shift into the really kind of self-important or self-serious or, or like egocentric side of Leo, but mm. Leo also has this really warm, playful, generous energy. And so my advice would be during the course of this retrograde, especially around these squares to Uranus, when things get tense, when you feel like you're at an impasse, to stop for a second and be like, okay, am I, am I too self-serious? Am I too indignant? Is there a way where I can take a second and just be fucking goofy, just be playful, mm. you know what I mean? Tap into the childlike quality of being open and willing to learn and also just finding creative expression rather than demanding that relationships change around you. Like if you're having a feeling, draw with it, sing with it, dance with it before you take it to somebody else and say, this is your problem. Mm. Mm. I think that's really wise. Something you said made me think about the fact that like, you're talking about taking yourself seriously, right? Mm -hmm. And that narrative of like taking things personally. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to speak a little bit to the, not the inverse of that, but maybe the inverse internal experience of that, which is the one where, you know, especially Leo with their ego and their desire to always like, always show up for people in a big way, right? Like Leo is like, I'm here for you. I'm your like big knight in shining armor type energy the the feeling that can come with failure mm -hmm. right as like a shared narrative like everyone saw me fuck up they're all thinking about it yeah <laughs> you know that like um that main character energy mm -hmm. which really can help people thrive sometimes mm -hmm. but can really get in the way of your own like emotional health and progress yeah. when you actually are just a fucking human being and can't live up to your own expectations. So when you think about, you know, the months ahead or even, the, you know, because the shadow period has been coming on, like the past few weeks when perhaps you have felt your own values rub up against circumstance, mm. right? This is how I want to be in the world. This is how I want to show up. This is who I want to be. This is how I, I want others to perceive me. But instead things went like this. Mm -hmm. But instead I came off like that, but I'm worried that people might not actually like me now or have changed their feelings about me. Try your best to remember that people are probably not thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Give yourself that kind of grace. Like, you know, you could think of it as a sad thing. Like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. obsessed with how this person feels. And they're probably just like smoking a blunt and watching like a reality <laughs> show. But it can also be a kind of grace. Like, yeah. I love my friends and sometimes they fuck up and I don't spend all night thinking about it. And sometimes I'm going to fuck up and like mm -hmm. nobody's spending the night thinking about how I'm a fuck up. Only me. Yeah. 
And I have one little thing I want to piggyback on that is that oftentimes, you know, we think of Leo as performance and performers as well, right? As as Mm -hmm. a creative center. It's often not the initial mistake that people notice. It is a dramatic response or this self-effacing in reaction to what otherwise is like a very small detail that people notice. So Mm -hmm. like check your reactions. Like you might stumble or something might not go over or come off the way that you wanted you maybe didn't execute in exactly the way but it's much more likely that your brow beating or your outsized reaction is actually what people clock and respond to and it's not in mm. fact like your perceived imperfection which spoiler alert we're all imperfect as soon as an idea leaves our brain and goes into the world it's immediately diminished you know yes i do know so yeah don't don't give away your tiny errors by having like a a big old pity party about it you know yeah I think that you know and maybe we're coming off a little like hard but really this is about being a little sweeter to yourself and letting yourself make mistakes yeah yeah and understanding that like these four months are a process it's Mm -hmm. not any story that began in the beginning or the middle of June, like it's, you're not going to know the full scope until October. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you Mm -hmm. might something or someone that you really want might retreat for a period. They're on their own journey and their own internal process. That doesn't mean they're going away forever. That doesn't mean it's about you or what you're worth. It just Mm -hmm. is about like, sometimes you got to go over something a couple of times. Sometimes you need to approach and retreat to really come to a full understanding of of the proper weight to give it and how it's supposed to be a part of your life. Yes. Okay. I think that we, I think that the nuggets, the golden nuggets have been transferred. It is time for us to part and back into the veil. (laughs) It's true. It's true. We'll see y'all sometime, you know, (laughs) not too long. Rose, what are you up to while they wait for us? Hi, it's Future Rose here, interrupting to let you know that I'm actually giving a workshop on Venus Retrograde on August 13th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. It's called The Mirror Has Two Faces. Yes, that's right. It's a reference to a Barbra Streisand rom-com from 1996. All that to say, if you enjoyed what we talked about and want to see more how this Venus Retrograde is going to affect your chart individually, I really hope you'll join us. As with all of my offerings, it's sliding scale, 10 to $30. You can find more information on my website, www.roseblakelock.com. I'm just up to kind of the same stuff. I, um, yeah, I'm doing readings. I have a podcast of my own that will be coming out maybe oh, Leo season, but probably what? in the fall. <laughs> yeah. Something wow, yet. big reveal, everybody. <laughs> it's called Mutual Reception. It's an interview-based podcast. It's good. Whoa. It's going to be fun. Yeah, very excited. I interview a former postal worker and they told me about all the ways that they plan around dangerous or eccentric pets. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Lots of stuff. How about you, Gala? What are you up to? Well, mostly the same stuff, but you know, Queer Healers is like up and running now. Mm-hmm. So mostly I do a lot of looking over different queer practitioners and trying to figure out 
who is just a regular person and who is like an avatar mm, of a demon sent mm-hmm. to me. Yes. Who's <laughs> a Masco regular person. But it's pretty rewarding work. You know, we have like, um, you know, obviously we'd like to have you back because we love you, but we also have just a whole slew of practitioners who we've never met from places Ooh. like Bolivia where we're just cool. like, I'm just so glad to see a photo of someone from Bolivia doing their practice there. Like how, how lovely is that, you know? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, that sounds great. Definitely. It's queerhealers.com, right? Yes. Great. Check it out. This full directory. Gala's out there I toiling away there. at the back end. It's true. I'm the wizard. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, Gala, I love you um, and I miss you, uh, but it's really nice to talk to you about aversion and everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really it's really nice to be averse with you and Ooh. well-versed with you. Ooh, okay, bye. Both ways. Bye. Big Dyke Energy is mixed and recorded by Rose Blakelock and features original theme music from Night of Cups. Queer Love the Ultimatum was not filmed during the last Venus retrograde. That's it. Enjoy. <laughs>